welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on, you know what, just an all-time good hockey guy. This is a great dude in Dwayne Blay, and Dwayne is up in the London, Ontario area. He is an awesome skills coach. He's a Hockey Canada certified skills coach. He also is the owner and does a lot of really good things with NSDA Hockey. He's a great follow on social media. He runs part of TPH up in Western Ontario as well. He was a skills coach for the Washington Capitals, skills coach for the London Knights. So great, great resume and uh, just an awesome guy. So we're very excited to have him on the podcast. Before we do get over to Dwayne, though, let's bring on another great guy in Jeffrey Lavecchio. Vex, the talent. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for the uh, tire pump, as usual. Uh, always makes me feel good. Thank you. Uh, anytime. You know and, you get it every time we do the intro. So <laughs> Always waiting for it, too. Thank you. What can I say except you're welcome? <laughs> I don't know what that's from, but Anybody that you. has young kids, it is Moana. Oh, I've, I've actually watched that movie, I think, on an airplane. Yeah, it was a good movie. Dude, good. The Rock? How about The Rock? What a savage. We talk about all the time, like, no limiting self-beliefs and believe in yourself and chase your dreams, do whatever you want, like, you know, go hard after. Like, how about that guy? Have you heard a story? He had, like, $6 in his pocket or something. He's, like, the highest-grossing movie star every year. His, the top, like, I think I read the top 15 best-selling Under Armour anything in their whole company are all The Rock's collection. The top 15. Anything, shoes, shirts, bags, whatever. All top 15, the rocks. Like, he can't not do something. He's unreal, man. Just, I mean, you talk about a role model for anybody. Like, yeah. the guy just gives, we talked about it last podcast. Like, he's all in. Like, he goes all in with what he does. And that is a very, very admirable trait because it's not easy to go all in and, and put yourself out there for the good or the bad. And uh, he's somebody that does it. And uh, he's a great fight. It's another thing we talk about like follow the right people on social media. Like he's a great follow on social media. One of the things that he did was a video of him watching Moana with his daughter. His daughter's like young and she has like no idea that he's the guy in the movie. <laughs> and so he's like that's singing cool. the song and he's like, she has no idea. It's pretty funny. <laughs> oh my God. That's really funny. It was good. Yeah. I it love was it. good. Yeah. I so, um, but yeah, you know what? I, something I want to bring up here, like, Got a lot going on right now. As you can tell, no microphone for me here today. I am sitting in beautiful Chicago, Illinois, visiting my family who I haven't seen in forever. I have not been back home uh, in over a year because of COVID and people got vaccines. A lot of people in my family got vaccines and stuff. So we decided to make the trip here. We got some other stuff going on. And uh, man, like I thought something to bring up with you because you are such a fit health wellness guru, if that's what you want to call it, um, is like how to manage stress. Because I feel like a lot of people struggle with that, including myself. And I have just life, career, so many different balls up in the air right now and so many things going on. And I know for me, like when I reflect, a lot of times when I feel stressed is when I feel overwhelmed. 
and kind of feeling like that right now. So like for you as somebody who's very into wellness and feeling and being your best self, like what would you say to the people out there that are just kind of, they got a lot going on and just kind of feeling a little stressed? Yeah. I mean, so the people like you who are juggling, juggling a bunch of balls is basically what you said. You're juggling so many balls that you need help. I just want to make sure I'm hearing you correctly. So, um, for like, dude, the, the simplest way to down from panic attack or anxiety, um, or, or you get super stressed is to focus on your breathing. Like it's, it takes no tricks. It takes no gimmicks. You don't need a physical inhaler, things like that. If you can learn how to do it, if you can learn how to control your breathing. Uh, one technique is called like box breathing. You breathe in for a certain amount of seconds, pause for a certain amount of seconds, exhale for a certain amount of seconds, pause for a certain. So it might be like in three, pause three, out three, pause three, in three, pause three. You know what I'm saying? So it makes a square. It's going to be three, could be four. As you get better at it, you can go for longer and longer. Um, and, and that's like a super simple trick. Like I, whenever I get stressed out, I'll go somewhere where I can be alone, like try and turn the lights off, uh, no music, no phone, nothing, and, and just focus on my breath. Just feet, put my hands on my stomach, feel the air filling my belly, uh, fill, filling my belly with air, not my chest chest breathing doesn't really do anything in the nose fill the belly pause slow deliberate exhale it helps immediately then the other thing too is like you got to exercise at some point in your day it releases those positive endorphins into your brain that only you know vigorous exercise or playing sports stuff like that can do and even if you do 10 minutes if you do 10 minutes you will feel better if you do something that if you just stretch even just sitting and stretching for five minutes will make you feel better about yourself. You'll have confidence you did something to help your further, your future self, to help your body. And, and it's crazy, like, how much better you feel about yourself after you do something for self-care. Yeah, it's so true. The breathing thing is, like, the way that I've always kind of thought about it is, like, breathing is what gives you life. It's literally the thing that's bringing oxygen into your body that allows your body to function. So the more you do it and the healthier you do it, like with these strategies that you're talking about, it just like, yeah, like it is giving you health, literally. And everybody, when I say that, they're like, no, 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 I could never do a cold shower. And I'm like, all right, listen. Start with it at whatever your normal temperature is, and then just slowly turn the knob a little bit, and then let it sit there. Let your body get acclimated. Maybe it's a minute. Maybe it's 30 seconds, whatever it is. It's going to be a little bit shorter in the beginning, and then turn the knob a little more once you're acclimated. It's going to be 30 seconds, a minute, however long it takes, a little bit more, and if you gradually do that every like if you do it like five times, even if you don't get all the way to the coldest, that's okay. Tomorrow, try and go a little bit more. The day after that, try and go a little bit more. Like it's, it's a reset for your nervous system. And, and a lot of people say that they don't need coffee after they start taking cold showers. I'm not going to lie. I don't do it all the time, but I try as much as I can. And you just notice like your whole body, like it's jolted and you just feel better when you try after you do that. So there's another simple one you can try. Very interesting. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Cold shower, huh? Yeah. Those, I don't like cold showers. I don't like cold water. Yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, try it, man. <laughs> try it. Try it for a week. Start, you know, shower with whatever you start at and just throughout the shower, 
bring it over. See how see how you feel. Gotcha. We'll I'll, I'll, talk I'll about it in a week. Uh, yeah, I love uh, how you were talking about the breathing technique in the square. And for those not watching us do this Zoom call right now, all I can think about is a circle. <laughs> it's a circle. Not a square. It's a circle. <laughs> but a circle. Yes. Unreal. Name that movie, everybody. Go. I'll name it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Let's get over to uh, to Blazer here in just a sec. But one thing I did want to bring up, too, is, dude, like, it looks like your GMBM clothing line, you're going to be like the next Versace. <laughs> I would not say that. Or maybe Lululemon. Maybe that's a better analogy. Uh, I mean, that would be. It looks like it's going really well, though. How's that going? Yeah, it's been it's been really good ever since COVID. It took off. I mean, it's funny. Like the the brand is Give More, Be More, GMBM, and I wasn't thinking that this would be a side effect of me giving out free stuff. But like when COVID hit, you know, I was doing nightly free workouts for like I don't even know how long I did those. I literally forgot the last year of my life like I think everyone else did. But in the beginning, I mean, I did it for a very long time. Every single night, I was like, you can just turn on Instagram Live and I'll do a free workout. And we did yoga and we did breathing sessions. We did all these different things. And it was for months. Um, and then I was all, while I was doing that, I came out with the, the, the super cheap online training stuff for everybody too. And uh, like, so I was just like giving more. And all of a sudden, like people started buying a bunch of the clothes, which is, you know, it's, very ironic, but I guess it makes sense. GMBM, give more, be more, you know, like, um, so it kind of took off and came, once I got the blue check, you know, Trent Frederick was like, you should make a hoodie. I was going to come out with a, I was going to come out with a hoodie where the back of it said hot guys doing hot guy things. Cause oh it's, so, it's something that Turnbull says. Yeah. Some of the Turnbull says, uh, who's been on this podcast before. He's an unbelievable guy. One of my best friends, my longest tenured client, my longest tenured pro client. And, uh, and then Frederick was like, Oh, you should put a blue check mark on it after I got it. And so I was like, okay, like I'll do that. Cause you know, uh, whatever. I just think that that has more mass appeal and that hoodie took off. So that was pretty funny, but yeah, it's really exciting. I'm really trying to grow that thing. And uh, I stated that goal on Instagram, like a week ago, or constantly saying on this podcast, put out there what you want to do, tell people what you want to do, tell people what you want to be, write it down have notes all over your car, over your house, on the bathroom mirror, like whatever you want to be. You got to keep saying it. You got to keep doing it. You got to keep working for it. And one of the things I want to do in 2021 is grow that, that brand, that give more, be more clothing brand every, every month trying to come out with cooler stuff to where I get to a point where I can, you know, find a factory that makes like Lululemon type of clothing and for GMBM and I can make like the highest quality stuff. Obviously, that's a while away, but like that's where I want to go, and I'm putting it out there, and I'm going to work towards it. Love it. Where can we find it? Uh, if you go to humblehockey.com and then you click shop, it's GMBM Apparel there. There you go, listeners. Get the blue check mark hoodie, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. It is unreal. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's uh, let's take a moment here, and uh, we'll thank our sponsors. First one we'll thank is our title sponsor, Gel Stick. Go to gelstx.com, use the coupon code THINKTANK, and you can get a discount on your weighted training sticks. 
Everybody uses them from the pros to the NTDP to college teams. Uh, Jeff uses them in his weight room to do other non-hockey type stuff. They have lacrosse stuff. They have golf stuff. I actually just spoke to one of their partners, John Lounsbury, who is a friend of the podcast, who's been on the podcast uh, last week, and he's got some awesome stuff going on there as well. So gelsticks.com, G-E-L-S-T-X.com. I also want to give a, a shout out to Lounsbury because what an unreal guy. So Lounsy, uh, he knows that Trent Frederick is, you know, one of my clients and one of my, one of my, you know, good buddies. And he's been on the podcast and this was before T Fred's came on the podcast two weeks ago or whenever that was last week. And uh, he's like, Hey, you know, I got some video. He's, he's working with Adam Oates now, you know, and, yep. um, and he was saying, Hey, you know, I got some video breaking down. Like, can I show you some things of Trent that I noticed? Um, you know, just like being a friend, helping me help Trent and send them to me. And I was like, Hey man, do you care if I send these to Trent? And he was like, yeah, sure. And he sent them to Trent and literally like, it's, it's unbelievable. The video break, it's just these little teeny tiny things that, you know, you think that those things are being covered and focused on, but you know, the coaches have to worry about winning. They're not looking at every little guy, every guy's teeny tiny little detail breakdown of every shift, trying to get more out of that shift. And ever since Lounsey's been doing it, it's, you know, Fre- Freddie's on a roll. It's pretty exciting. It's pretty cool. So I just want to send a big thank you to uh, to John Lounsbury for that. There you go. Lounsey, good man. It's a good man, Maybe. that purple still skin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> another movie. Name that movie, please, people. <laughs> we also want to thank Train Heroic. Uh, Jeff mentioned his training app. Go to Train Heroic, the app on your phone. Look for Jeff's ripped workouts. And by the way, ripped is R-I-P-T, not R-I-P-P-E-D. So I've had a couple of people that have actually messaged me saying we can't find ripped hockey, but it's oh, R-I-P-T. What is that? It's revolutionary. What is it? Uh, individualized performance training. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, go to Train Heroic, download that stuff. And also want to thank icehockeysystems.com and head on over to icehockeysystems.com for all your coaching resources. We've done a bunch of work with these guys. There's going to be a lot more stuff coming up in the future about it. And for our drill of the week this week, I wanted to do the drill, use the net two on one. And I think using the net for a defenseman is such a great skill to have. Um, If you're able to draw guys in, use the net and, you know, cut the, cut the guy off. That's trying to chase you out by using your shoulder to get around the net. I mean, such an awesome skill to have. Um, So this drill, basically what it is, is the coach has the puck at the red line. You can do this from both sides. So you can have one going on one end, one going on the other end. The coach dumps the puck into uh, right behind the net into the corner and the defenseman's got to go get it. And then there's a four checker. So the four checkers job is to try and cause a turnover. And you give, give the defenseman a little bit of space as he's going to retrieve that puck. And then the four checkers got to go one way around the net or the other to flush that guy out. And he's got to do a good job. So he's got to then go out the other way, use the net, uh, protect the puck coming out, skate the puck up through the middle. And the reason why as a defenseman, after you use the net, you want to skate the puck up the middle and not go directly to one side is because now you've given yourself an option to pass both ways. If you're going around the net and you continue to skate towards the winger, you're, that's not an option for you anymore because you're sucking all the four checkers over to that one side. So now you have very, you have just um, 
un, not unlimited. You have just decreased the amount of options that you have as you're skating the puck up the ice, right? So as a defenseman, cut the net, bring the puck up the middle, and then decide, you know, you're going to pass the puck to one side or the other because there's two, let's call them wingers, that are coming down uh, that will get the puck from that D. So he passed the puck to uh, one of the sides. That guy brings the puck up, passes the puck to the coach, regroup, and those two guys now regroup and come in two on one on the defenseman that just uh, that just used the net. So uh, we'll have a video breakdown of this on social media at some point next week, either Wednesday or Thursday. But again, uh, such a just a little skill, but it's so, so necessary for defensemen to have. If you're able to use the net to break pressure, um, awesome, awesome skill. I mean, it's a free pick. You know, it's a pick yeah. that will never hold. You'll never get a penalty for using the net as a pick. And then two, like as a progression, as you get older to think how to make it even more game like, or how can you make it better for yourself? As soon as you cut that net, pop, 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 three hard strides. Cause now you're going to separate yourself even more from that four checker. Who's now going to become a back checker on you. And we all know as a four checker, as soon as they give a demon who really cuts that net tight, you're hooped. Cause usually our angle is going to be worse as the guy going in for checking. Cause you want to take away kind of this option to cut back. So you're not going in at the same angle as him. So it's going to, once he cuts that net, you know, it's super hard to catch up to him. And there's that demon, bop, 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 three or four quick hard strides. And then there's another progression. I would even say Tope that we talked about with, I'm pretty sure like Belfry and all other, you know, really good skill coaches. Don't just stare at the guy you're going to decide to pass to, you know, try and try and look at the guy you're not going to pass to, but then pass to the other guy, make sure it's a good pass. So learn how to use your peripheral vision, learn how to show you're going to pass left but then maybe you pass right or, and then the next time show you're going to pass right and figure out a way to pass left. So you're working on both sides. For sure. And that's, that's actually a really good point. So we did this drill, a different version of it, but we did this drill a lot at Cornell. Like our, our coaches really thought that using the net was a, a really big thing. And uh, that's one thing we would always tell our defensemen to do. You got to look one way first and then pass it to the other guy. That deception, that even getting the, the four checkers in a, in a real game, to take one or two steps or think for a half a second that you're going one way. Once you get to the higher level, that half a second means a lot. <laughs> um, so that's, a, that's a great point right there. And, and I should mention too. So Daryl Belfry, who you mentioned talks a lot about progressions and stuff. So he, uh, he actually emailed me a presentation that he did about one of his drills that he was doing. And he's really trying to hammer people right now about using progressions in their practices and one of the things that we talked about and that he was talking about with me, I should say, I should say was, um, you know, he sent me a drill and the way that he presented it was they did a, a game at the beginning of practice. And then they broke that game down into its smaller parts and did drills of the skills that you need to use in that game. And then they did the game at the end of practice after they had worked on all of the skills when they broke it down. And I just think that that was such a, it, it's just such a tangible, such a smart way to teach, you know, throw them in the fire first, then teach them what they are, teach them what the skills are and, and everything that goes around with it, teach them the why, and then put them back in those situations where they have to use it again. And, and he talked a lot about having a theme for a practice when he was on our podcast, you know, don't just group, five or six drills together that don't really mean much. You're, you're not going to 
transfer skills from practice to game by doing it like that. So if you have a progression of where you're going in practice and a theme that you're working on um, to, to build into that, such a great way. And he's got a bunch of stuff that's going to be coming out here in the next little bit. And, and once he does, we'll uh, um, you know, we'll certainly tell you guys about it, but just an awesome hockey mind and, and just a really interesting thing that he sent me that as we're talking about this and as you were talking about progressions, I mean, it just fits so well. Unbelievable. Like that makes so much more from a, me being a player standpoint, thinking about doing a practice because like, you know, you said, what is your why? So like you get thrown in the fire with the drill, that's going to be hard or whatever. And then you do to start the, you know, you break it down piece by piece and you say, okay, you know, in the, in that drill or, or in that game, whatever in the game, when you needed to do this, but you couldn't, well, we're going to work on that piece. And now all oh, that piece that came right before that, now we're going to work on, or however you break it down. But now you're, you're giving them that instant. What is your why to doing each of those pieces, breaking it down. Everyone is going to want to learn and they're going to absorb and listen and pay attention more because they know, Oh, wow. I didn't have this earlier and I could have used it. And I know we're going to play that game at the end of the day. Like just from a psychological standpoint, from a te teaching, like that is, that is dope. That is so genius. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he's working with the best players in the world. <laughs> Unbelievable. I hope a lot of coaches think about that and, and take that for whatever, whatever level you're at, you can take that philosophy and do a lot of things with it. And I think you'll make your team a lot better if you start uh, designing your practices that way. Totally. Totally. A lot of good hockey nuggets from that one. Also a lot of good hockey nuggets from Dwayne Blake coming up here. Uh, again, like I said, at the beginning of this, just an awesome hockey guy, love talking hockey with him. And uh, he's got a lot of great things going on as well. And we're going to get into a lot of that stuff on the podcast here. Um, so really, really excited to bring Dwayne on and uh, without further ado, here we go with Dwayne Blay. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast. Actually, Vex, I got a movie line for you here. Ready? Uh-oh. Right out the gates. He's living, he's living in London, Ontario right now. Okay. You sound like you're from London. <laughs> oh, uh, 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 don't tell me. Don't tell me. Uh, I just went from six to midnight. Um, Come uh, on. Oh my God. Aldous Snow. Yep. Is the character in the movie. Oh my God. Not, I can't think of the movie. It's Jason. Uh, yep. Jason Siegel, Kristen Bell. This is so embarrassing. Forgetting. <laughs> Forgetting Sarah Marshall. There Thank we you. go. There, there we, we go. go. Hot Carl. I got it. Wow. Nice boy. This is a good intro. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> We're idiots. Well, he's I up in it. the London, Ontario <laughs> area. It's but, hey, what for, for anybody listening who loves that movie, which I feel like everyone in hockey does like, how funny is it when he's like, uh, did, Oh, Mr. Snow, did you listen to my mixtape? And he's like, <laughs> Oh, right, mate. I was going to. And then I just kept on living my life. <laughs> I always think that part is so funny. Beautiful line. That was an awesome line. Um, but anyway, let's get to our guest here. He's from London, or not from London, but he's in London, Dwayne Blay. And I butchered that, obviously. Nice. That was solid. That was very good. Okay, very good, good, good. Dwayne Blay, or you can call him Blaze if you're from, uh, you know, anywhere not in French-speaking Canada. Not French, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, Blazer, how are you doing today, man? Good man, good. Thanks for having me, guys. Good, to, uh, good to see you guys. I listen to a bunch of your uh, bunch of your episodes, which are always entertaining, which is awesome. Some great guests. So yeah, it's good to be on here. 
Uh, we're pumped to have you, man. And uh, so just to kind of start us off here, you grew up up in northern Ontario, up in Sudbury, which is a very, very sneaky but awesome hockey town. Uh, got a great OHL team. A lot of guys that have come from – I think the stalls are from Sudbury, right? They're actually a little further. They're Thunder Bay. Thunder so, Bay, uh, okay. A little bit north, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I played with uh, a kid at Cornell, uh, Jacob Johnston, whose uh, sister is Rebecca, who's one of the top women's players. Yeah. But I know they're Sudbury people too. So great they hockey are. town. Talk to us a little bit about growing up in, uh, in the beautiful city of Sudbury. Yeah, Sudbury's a – I mean, it is a kind of a – it's a wicked spot. If you love winter, it's awesome because you can ice fish, snowmobile, all that kind of stuff. If you don't like winter, don't go up there because it gets cold. And uh, But the summers are wicked. Like there's two lakes right in town. You can water ski fish. Um, and it's, it's a cool, it's a really, really cool city. I really cool. It's become more of a city now. It was kind of a small town when I grew up, but growing up there was great. Like it was, you know, there's outdoor rinks literally in every single community. So you'd go sleep over at a buddy's house and there'd be an outdoor rink you'd be going to skate at and stuff like that. So it was, uh, it was awesome. It was really good. Actually dating myself a little bit here, but my first actual like organized year of hockey. So I just kind of started hockey late. I started when I was nine and just moved into a neighborhood where kids were playing road hockey and stuff. And my brother and I were like, Oh, let's play. So my dad asked us every year, probably since we were three or four, like, you want to play, you want to play, you want to play. And we never did. And then finally did. And long story short, we got, we got into hockey. And my first year ever was like legit outdoor rink hockey, like getting dressed, like in the, in the hut and then going out to the game and like shoveling it off if it snowed and love it. Yeah. It was awesome. And then the next year we just started getting into city hockey and stuff like that. So yeah, it was, it was good. That's really cool, man. And, uh, just getting a chance to like, I feel like so many people that we have on the podcast talks about playing outdoor hockey and how that like grew their love for the game and God, that is getting so missed nowadays. And yeah. uh, just like, how much was that such an integral part of your experience? And just that like unstructured, no pressure, go out, play with your friends. Like how much value do you think is, is, you know there? what, man, it's, it's massive. And I think through the pandemic, like I put an outdoor rink in my backyard and it's tiny, like it's not big at all, but I, I even go out there and rip around and throw shoot pucks around and stuff. I've got a young boy and a young girl. So it was more of just an activity during COVID they can go do, but I loved it, man. So I think more and more people are, are back to the ODRs a little bit in colder areas just because we were so restricted this year, obviously. Um, but man, honestly, growing up and a lot of people say, oh, back in the day, like Wayne Gretzky never did skill development. Wayne Gretzky was on an outdoor rink every single day, probably multiple times a day doing stuff. And tell me Walter wasn't, you know, we're all, you know, we're dads or you've got dads. Tell me Walter wasn't at the door once in a while telling him to like get his head up or go around that cone quicker, or, you know what I mean? Barking orders. So at the end of the day, I think he, you know, Wayne Gretzky was doing skill development his whole life. Like as far as being on outdoor rinks and doing stuff in Brantford and same with us. Like I remember coming home almost every day, like come home from school, rip through homework, which, you know, probably got me a good C. And then walked out of the rink and meet my buddies and go shoot pots and play for hours, man. And no parents around, you know, every single year I came home with a black guy at least once a winter, just from getting a stick in the face or something, you know, like, but the, yeah, it was awesome, man. It was, uh, it's just, that's just the way it was. Right. And but you're right. Like no structure, just go have fun, play, invent, create, you know, just do, do your thing. So yeah, it was, it was awesome, man. It was a real, real big part of how at starting at a later age at nine, I think I was able to kind of catch up a little bit to some of the, some of the guys around me, you know, maybe, maybe took me a bunch of years to catch them, but I finally, you know, got a chance to play with some of the better players and stuff. Yeah. It's so funny when you talk about some of this unstructured play stuff, because I think there's two elements to it. There's, there's the one element that it's fun. So it's, you're developing your passion for the game. And when you develop more passion for the game, you want to work harder. And when you want to work harder, you're going to put in the time necessary and you're just ultimately going to get better but I think the other side of it the unstructured play is like and this is a huge debate in hockey circles right now is like you're you're figuring the game out 
and it's not so structured and you're not being told what to do, but it's still something where you're, you're getting better, even though you're not being coached. So do you find a lot of value to, you know, you developing your, let's call it hockey sense, hockey IQ to some of that unstructured play. And when, as a skill development coach, somebody that does this for a living and has people going on the ice all the time, like, do you think that that is still part of uh, the growing process for a lot of kids? Yeah, I think it's huge. I think we, I think we, as coaches, I think we add too much structure to the kids sometimes, you know, and we stifle them a little bit for sure. I think just, and I think that for any coach out there that is running a team, I'm not saying you're going to go out and practice a week or practice a month, just going to let the kids run wild and do whatever they want. Right. But cause then you're going to see, you guys know this, you're going to see a fight in the corner, a play fight in the corner. You're going to see seven other kids taking slap shots while their kids are crossing the front of the net. It's going to be a mess. Right. So I think you have to have some kind of structure, but I think even asking the kids questions like, Hey, what do you want to work on today? You know, or, Hey, what are, what are some things you guys saw in the game yesterday that we didn't do very well? What can we work on? And getting them involved in the process, a little bit of planning, I think is huge. Um, and even like, I know a lot of coaches do this, but having the kids run a practice. So they have to come up with a couple of drills and they've got to be the ones that kind of put together a bit of a practice. And maybe you give them a couple of themes and then they've got to come up with drills. Cause I think a lot of times, especially as kids get older, you know, they've, they've gone through thousands and thousands of reps of practice and you ask them to put a drill on the board and they have no idea because they've just been a passenger in the car for so long. They've never driven the route, right? So, you know, you ask them to do a J drill, drop a J drill, and like some kids have no idea. And they've done this drill, you know, thousands of times by the time they're 17, 18, right? So I think it's important for them to like think outside the box and as us as coaches kind of help them do that, you know? So Hockey IQ is a massive, you know, topic right now or can you teach it is it teachable can kids get better at it and i believe 100 they can i think some kids have it and we all played with guys that are just like they get the game but how do you know to go to that box spot or how do you know to open up there and they just have it and i think other players can get better at it not to say they're going to get to the point where that of those elite kids like wayne gretzky let's say we're not going to get to that point maybe but they can definitely enhance their hockey iq there's no doubt by by exactly having a little bit less, less structure let them be creative let them think of the game rather than just being dictated the game i think is, is a big big piece of that yeah, I love that. Yeah, and Tove on a, I think it was two episodes ago, or maybe maybe it was three now. Uh, literally said that he did that with his team. He went into the locker room one day, uh, two three weeks ago, and was like, "All right, you guys are putting together practice." He was there to kind of like give them some ideas or you know whatever when they asked him. He's also coaching eighteen year olds, seventeen eighteen year olds, but uh, he yeah. was so happy with how it turned out, and he said it was That's like awesome. one of the hardest the kids had worked in practice and. You know, I use the same thing in the gym every now and then I'll, I'll say, hey, you know, Tommy, come out here, coach this. And then he's got to give the coaching cues to everyone else. So then it's kind of like, you know, it's on him and now he's learned it better. Now the other guys are kind of laughing, but then they're thinking about it. And so just having someone else like think for themselves versus you telling them what to do all the time. It's kind of like those coaches who are behind the bench in a game. And I call it uh, the remote control coach who's literally telling every player exactly what to do on the back check hard. Look over your shoulder. You got that guy. Hey, right there. Like buddy, I know you want to win and you're trying to help them, but telling them what to do, no one learns anything. If you're always there to tell them things to do. Totally. No, I couldn't agree more. And I think, like, and you know, Jeff, for you, and I think you too, Tove, like how much better of a, of a player would you be right now after you've coached for a while? Like even in the weight oh. room, like how much better would your workouts be now? Cause you've coached and you understand it better. Like even how to break down a shot. I'm, I'm, you know, 40 something going out and shooting a pocket. I'm thinking about what I'm doing now. Cause I'm, I'm just, it's ingrained in me now. Right. But what I think back when I was like 19, I didn't think of anything. I just shot the puck, you know, it got a little bit of instruction here and there. So I think getting the kids to teach a little bit or getting the kids to instruct or teach a, a, an exercise or a workout 
I think it's good. It just gives them a different view or a different look at what they're already doing. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's, that's, that's awesome. It's so true. Like I, I tell people that all the time, like I would be such a better player. <laughs> I would be oh, such totally a better can. player knowing what I know now. But then I think it's also really good for a coach to like put yourself in these kids shoes too. Right. And, and actually communicate with them in the way that like you would have wanted to been communicated when you were that age. And I think, you know, I think one of the the worst things that we can do, and I think so many people do this, and, and I'm, I'll throw myself in there included, is we talk at people. Like we talk at people and we bark instructions and do this, do that, whatever. And we don't talk with people. So like even what you're talking about, like it should be a conversation. Like they, the, the yeah. kids and the players should be a part of the planning of, of everything, the, how you want to play as a team, what's your identity, you know, what are certain skills that we need to, you know, be better at as a team. And, uh, I just think, you know, I think so many people just try to be experts nowadays and they talk at people instead of talking with people. And that's honestly probably my biggest pet peeve right now in the game of hockey is just like people, like there's. It's, I mean, it's kind of like the world too, right? Everybody just wants to give their opinion and sound smart <laughs> as opposed to like yeah. <laughs> yeah. actually having dialogue and conversation. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I, I can't agree with you more, man. Well, and I think too, like I, I'm still learning, right? Like I'm still, yeah, I'm coaching and I'm doing, working with whatever, young kids, old kids, pros, whatever, it doesn't matter, but I'm still learning. So like if I'm having a conversation with a pro guy, I want to know how he feels in a game when he's cutting in on, chara like what's that like like what, like what would you do here you know and i'll learn something that i can bring to another kid and say or another player and be like hey like you know this is this is gonna help you and so i'm i think a lot of times it's ego that gets involved and i think a lot of coaches maybe it's maybe it's lack of confidence whatever it is or overconfident but they you're right they do talk down and they talk and they're dictating all the time and i think man some of the best coaches i played for were guys that i respected that gave it to me straight and they had fun with right they i, I respected what they had to say but also it was fun and i think that's a big thing too is keeping you know, fun in hockey. Right. And that's something that we lack a little bit sometimes just, I think getting more competitive and stuff. These coaches feel like they got to win all the time and they got to be like, really, you know, keep the, the foot on the gas. And I don't think that's the case. I think you got to make sure it's fun for sure. I love that too. Toth saying, you know, we never ask the players what they need to, what the team needs to work on, get better at, or how the team should play. That's really interesting. Like if you're coaching older kids, juniors college pro like they know what their strengths are they probably know just as much as the coach what the strengths of the players are in the room if they've been on a college team or whatever for with each other for a while they could just kind of sit there you could talk it out as a group instead of the coach talking at them maybe like how do you guys like to play what are you what are your guys's favorite style of play like wouldn't that be a pretty smart idea how do you guys like to forecheck because like you know i'm sure we've all played on teams where there was you know, a, a PP breakout or a PK forecheck that we were like, this is stupid. This never works, you know, <laughs> yeah. but we're forced to do it. Well, if you like something, you're going to do better at it. You're going to be better at it. You're going to try harder at it. So why not involve those upper level teams in the discussion? I love that. I've never even thought of that. That's genius. And some of these kids are smart, right? Like, I mean, we all played with kids and coach kids there. And even in the gym, like some of these kids get it and they're smart and you like, I've asked a ton of questions to kids, obviously from all ages. And some of the answers are ridiculously not right. Or like just off the, off the chain. Like, what do you want to do today? Shoot out. Like, no, we're not doing a shootout. Like scrimmage. No, we're not scrimmaging. But then you have other kids who are like, no man, like I, I, 
want to work on my one-timer off the side or I think we're really our passing wasn't good like can we work on passing yeah it's a great idea right and then sometimes they like way outside the box I'm like let's say you know to, to your point Jeff about like four checking like well you know we got a pretty fast team so why don't we just like why don't we do like a two-on-two or whatever it is like, yeah it's a great idea you're right why don't we use our speed more you know and so I think it is important to have that dialogue and you guys know as well as I do when you actually gave a coach something like it was you know a tidbit of information and they actually used it or brought it up in a conversation or said, hey, you know what, Toph made this really good point. Today we're going to work on this. Like, how did that make you feel as a player? Like, awesome, man. They actually, they actually listen to you. It's like your parents, right? You have a conversation with them. And you're like, hey, Dad, I think we should park the car backwards today because i got to put my gear in. He's like, good, no, it's good. Box the car. And you're like, yeah, there you go, man. I, you know, you got input in it, right? So I think it's it's important for the kids, I think, and for at all ages to, like, be a part of it. You know, be a part of the whole thing, not just not just a passenger, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, you get the chance to work with people of all ages. You work with pro players all the way down to the youth, like in your conversations with, you know, some of those guys and girls, like what are, what are some of the things that you're hearing from them in terms of just maybe specific overall things that they need to work on? Is there a specific one that people are trying to emphasize more than others? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, you know, if you look at the most important skill in hockey, it's going to be skating clearly, right? You got to be able to skate and be able to hopefully have some speed. I think, I've really changed my views on having that like perfect stride and breaking down technique and being really, really like perfect on the stride. I think players are all going to skate differently, which we've all known that, but if they can get to point from point A to point B effectively fast, that's great. It doesn't have to be sexy. It doesn't have to be perfect. We can always tweak that. But I think that, you know, some of the biggest things that pop up that are really, you know, a big, big part of the game is like shooting is one big one, obviously like, and getting nowadays, it's not just like shooting the puck quick. It's like, can you add deception to the shot? Can you move, you know, add movement to the shot. Can you, you know, add a little bit of evasiveness to it. So I think that's one of the biggest ones for sure is shooting. And then puck handling is one that I think is a bit of, um, I would say kind of as like, you know, if you look at any Instagram post, you're going to see guys stick handling through 17 sticks and under pucks and all this stuff. When have you ever gone around a guy's stick in a game? Like, have you ever actually pulled a puck around a guy's stick? No, no one does that. I understand the practicality of like stick handling. I get it. But so I think the biggest thing with stick handling is make them more game applicable. You know, like you look at a guy and depending on the player. So everyone's like, well, look at McDavid and McKinnon. They stick in all the time. Yeah, those guys are like 1% of 1% of 1%. Like they're ridiculously good. You're never, no offense. You're never going to be that guy. Like, you know, and so I think at the end of the day, like be more, you know, like even Sidney Crosby, like he's obviously an unbelievable player, but how often does he just dangle with the puck? Hardly. He tops pucks in areas. He controls pucks, you know? So I think doing stuff that's more game applicable and even like player applicable. So if you're a big, strong, you know, puck moving defenseman don't worry about having sick mitts and toe dragon pucks you know you can work on that stuff for sure but worry about getting the puck off your hip getting in a good spot to make a hard pass or make a breakout pass you know and so i think that's those are the those are a lot of the things we talk about now with players especially as they get older is what's going to suit your game and not to say that you can't become something way different but let's get you good at what you're good at now in that box and then we'll keep expanding that box a little bit but shooting and puck handling are probably two of the biggest ones and one of the biggest things i'm on my soapbox on all the time now is uh, deception you're just trying to get players to like look players off. And if I'm going to make my pass this way, I'm looking left, I'm passing right. Uh, if I'm going to shoot, you know, maybe I'm looking at shot, but I'm going to pass the puck off. Right. And you see it so much in the NHL now. And I think, you know, there's a goal the other night and we're obviously in Canada. So Toronto is always on TV, but Toronto, you know, Hall, who's one of their, one of their probably five, six defensemen, good, real good player, but we, I don't know if you guys know long hair, uh, good player, but he, he ended up, feeding the Matthews for one timer, but it was a really good play. Came in, kind of sold it, held on to it, held on. It looked at the net guys kind of bit like he was going to shoot it, dish it across. Matthew had kind of a, didn't even hit it well, but open net basically it was a good shot, but wasn't crazy. But so like, 
every all these players, even those five, six defensemen now at the highest levels are have a little bit of deception in their game, right? So I think that's the big thing that we're trying to push with like everything we do is adding deception to passing, shooting, all that stuff. <laughs> I talk about I had a Russian coach growing up that I talk about all the time on this podcast because he was such an influential coach in my life. And I like it's just ringing in my head right now because he was so far ahead. Like how we coach yeah. today is how he coached 20 years ago. And That's awesome. one of the things he was always look this way. He was always saying that look this <laughs> way, look this way. And then it was like, pass this way. And he, he would always be talking about that. Now, obviously we call it deception now, but I, I'm just so lucky to have had him as a coach. Cause in so many of these conversations I have with like such respectable hockey people like you, like, I just, man, I was doing that 20 years ago. And, and yeah, uh, you yeah. actually were too. Like, I remember oh, I mean, yeah. we'd go play, we would go play tournaments together in the summers or whatever, like from, I don't know, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, whenever you started playing with them. And I was just like, what is this guy doing? It was great. Cause it always ended up on my tape back door for a breakaway, <laughs> but it was, I, I was, I was like, what? Like, I've never seen any kids do this. It's so cool that Stan was teaching you look this way, look this way, look this way. <laughs> Somersault. <laughs> um, one of the things you're talking about blazer though, that I, I want to touch on. I was funny. Cause um, so Vex Blazer knows NAR really well. Like, and uh, I'm sorry, hockey. St- <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. Um, but I was talking to him last week, and it's funny. Like in this age of COVID, um, obviously things have been a lot different, and and we've had to do things differently. And so we went through a couple months or whatever it was where we were just practicing and we weren't really playing games. And so I in in our practices, I was doing a little bit more kind of like isolated skill work, not necessarily like game specific. Because because we weren't playing games anytime soon. So let's work on some of these skills in in that way. And I've noticed since we've started doing more game-like situations, the amount of development that I've seen in in doing much more of those types of drills versus the isolated skill work that we were doing, it's it's literally night and day. So what you were talking about, about making a game applicable, like I, I just think this year has really re-exemplified that for me how important those game-like situations are rather than skating around a cone and and even if you're not skating around cones but just doing like isolated skill work it just it's so beneficial yeah i totally agree and the thing too like i think with where a lot of coaches go right wrong whatever like you know some coaches like ah oh, you don't need obstacles on the ice you don't need sticks and cones and i don't just i don't agree with that i think that is important and think about it back when you guys played you're going out to do a skill session and that coach didn't believe in this stuff. And it was just a blank sheet with an empty net. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, come on, you know? So adding a couple of things out there, I think is fun. Like if you have whatever stick handling triangle or whatever, just to have practice going through, I think the biggest thing that coaches miss on sometimes is starting that way and then adding maybe another player or a coach. So now you have something moving more game like, and then you add a second player for like a one-on-one or a download battle. And then you add a support guy. So now you got to get the puck from the wall to the, support guy but you're adding layers you know to this one skill that you're working on which is maybe just protecting the puck around a cone and a stick and now you're doing it with some pressure on you and now you're doing it with the pressure and making a pass and then now you're doing it picking up a rim or whatever it is but so i think like that's the biggest thing is expanding that into that game situation right so starting off with a bunch of pucks on the ice and cones on the ice and stuff is not a bad idea like it's great to work on skills and really like specifically target areas of that skill which i think is really important but i think you got to you know, you got to continue to advance that skill. So you can't just always be going around cones. Cause we see it now, like some kids you'll watch in practice, like this kid's unbelievable, man. Like he can fly around. His edges are unreal. Her edges are sick. She's got a great shot. She toe drags around every cone. 
you put them in a game, they have no idea what they're doing. Right. And so some of them are a bit shy. They're a little timid. So they don't want to get around anybody. Right. So I think it's important to like add those kind of things in games so that when they do get into games, they have a little bit of a sense and a feeling for what they're doing and, and why they're doing it and what it feels like, you know. Are you seeing that happening a lot more now, would you say, than you were five years ago with all the all the people that put so much emphasis on, like you were saying, stick handling around cones, through sticks, um, Power Edge Pro, like all that kind of stuff. I do believe there is a time and a place for that. 100% I do. My, my NHL, AHL, KHL guys like doing Power Edge Pro. They all like it. Uh, I don't think it's something that should be done all the time, obviously, but you see on Instagram, you see on Twitter, and you see so many people talking about it and doing it, but Tofanize Fear and Narado and a lot of other hockey people is like, well, you're just teaching individual skills. Their head is almost always down. I never hear anyone on the videos preaching head up when they're going through all of these uh, sticks and garbage cans and cones and whatever. So like, you know, I I'm just wondering, if you're seeing, you know, some of those youth players that are doing that all the time, are they becoming worse hockey players, like uh, in the actual game of hockey? That's the problem. Yeah. hundred percent. Like that's exactly what we're seeing. Like even, so I've got a young boy right now who's, uh, who's eight. Right. So, which is young. Right. But I took him out the one day that one of the, one of the dads was having like a skate or whatever. This is a while ago and I brought him out and uh, these kids were good. Like these, they're 2012. So that's like young and eight years old. They were like, I was like, wow, like they're legit. Um, but the problem is like some of them get the game and they get it, which is great. But some of them like no clue about the game. Now they're young. So they're fine. A lot of them will end up going, but to your point, Jeff, like a lot of these players are really, really, really good at their individual skills, but their head, just like you said, like their heads down all the time. And I think the biggest thing with all that stuff, like any of that social media stuff we're seeing is I have no issues with it but please explain to me why you're doing this and where is this going? Because you're going to throw a garbage can at a guy. I, I get it. Okay, fine. But like, why are you doing that? And where's it going? Cause just to show that clip is because you know exactly what's going to happen. There's going to be 45 other dads in the next week. They're going to have garbage cans on the ice, throwing them at their kids. Like hundred percent that's happened. Right. So it's like, you gotta have a little bit of like responsibility when you post stuff a little, like, you know, unless you're just posting stuff to get clicks and likes, that's fine. But if you're a skills coach doing this, like add some tags on why you're doing it or what you're doing and what you're leading to, because some of the stuff, yeah, it looks sick. I may be able to get it, but some dad in Denver is going to be like, this is awesome. I'm going to go do this every practice with my kids. And you're just you're basically reinforcing bad habits. Right. And I think that's part of the problem, you know, and my, my, my big thing too right now is just like, why don't we focus on, instead of bringing your kids to like seven to 10 ice sessions a week, which is happening in some places, why not just focus on having your kid become a good person? Like just work on him and her becoming a good person. And then hockey will take care of itself after that, you know, cause it's so often, man, it's it just parents are so driven and so worried about the Joneses and keeping up with everybody beside them that it's on, it's unbelievable. Like they're even here, we just opened up our rinks two weeks ago and there's some kids I skied six times last week. We don't even have games going on. We're not going to have games from maybe till next year. Like what, what are you guys doing, man? So it's, it's nuts. Like it's, uh, it's, yeah, I think, I think it's gotta be done a lot smarter, you know, on how people are doing stuff. It's almost like every high level person that comes on this podcast says very similar things, Toph. The and they're all working thing. with the best players, <laughs> parents, coaches, players, grandparents, whoever's listening to this, please listen to our guests. Well, it's, it's true. And I've listened to a lot of your episodes, guys. And I agree Like you guys preach it. I preach it. 
Um, and I, I can speak firsthandly though, as a father now, like with a young boy that plays and a young girl that plays, um, we're all crazy, man. Anybody who has a kid is nuts. Like I'm crazy. You know, and I, my, my line, I joked, you have probably heard it before, but like whoever hides the craziness, the best is the least amount crazy. So I really try to hide it. Like I'll bite my tongue hard at a game. Like I'll have a bloody mouth just biting my tongue because my kid's <laughs> not going after a puck or, you know what I mean? Like I want to get on the glass and yell, what are you doing? You know, but I, I have to remind myself that he's eight years old or she's seven years old. Like they're just kids. And man, I get in the car, like and I've told you stories before, but I get in the car with them. Like the one time my little guy, it's, it's a, it's uh just like line changes, but the coaches are not just okay. And like the kid, like one time my kid's out there for like three minutes. I'm like, Oh man. Like, and then the next time he's out for 20 seconds. So he kind of got short shifted a couple of times. So I'm, I'm getting hot. Like I'm literally in my mind. I'm like, he's getting short shifted here. You know, it's, it's, it's like IP novice hockey. It's terrible. <laughs> so we get in the car and I'm like, Hey buddy, you know, and I'm always like, Hey, how was the game? Like, good. You know, how, how did you play? Like, I, you know, I thought I played okay. And I was asking like, Hey, who, who are some of the good players out there today? You know, just to see what he's seeing. His name's off a couple guys. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I li- literally was like, um, how was Einstein today? How'd you find like shifts and all that kind of stuff? He's like, that was great. It was good. I'm just like driving. I'm like, I'm such an idiot. Like I was so mad at myself. So I'm like, I didn't ask, I didn't say anything about what I was feeling. I just wanted to see what he thought. No problem with, I like, it was awesome. Game was great. Loved it. And it wasn't like, and I didn't have a stopwatch or like that, but like, I was that guy, man. So, and I'm like, what am I doing? He's seven years old at this point. Like he loved it. He's great. Why do I have an issue with it? You know, where I think a lot of parents, a lot of some parents would have potentially, you know, went and talked to the coach and said, Hey, you got to really watch those shifts. You got to make sure that you're changing kids on the fly. You know? And I'm like, my kid's fine with it. I got to like, just relax, you know? So it's, it's just catching yourself in those moments because, and I'm basically what I'm saying right now is I understand where the parents are coming from. Like, I totally get it. You want what's best for your kid. You don't want your kid to get slighted. And that, that's totally normal. Like I, I'm, I'm on that team. I get it, but we just got to like relax a little bit. And, you know, and, and there's this boat that everyone's missing. You guys know the boat I'm talking about, right? You don't have biceps by the time you're 16, you miss the boat. Like, no, you didn't miss the boat, man. You can still <laughs> get biceps. You know what I mean? You can still make junior team. Like it, it Pope's just... still looking for his biceps. He's 35. <laughs> yeah. hey, no. It's never too late, Tove. Never too late, bud. Well, I, I used to have some. <laughs> they've 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 disappeared <laughs> hey but you know what i you know what i really like that you said that no one has ever said on this podcast we used to ask this question a lot to to like the really high level hockey guys or even even coaches we a lot of people we said what did your what did your dad used to say to you when you got in the car after a game not one of those people and i've never thought of this has said to their kid or was said to them who who, who out there did you think played well today like just I love that because then it, it turns it into a much less selfish view of the game. And I feel like the game has gotten quite a bit more selfish, um, especially at the pro level, uh, you know, being finished with it recently. And, 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 you know, you just see so many more people just talking about themselves versus the team and stuff like that. And that's what hockey, why hockey I used to absolutely love. It's such a team sport. But I think that if parents, anyone listening, and you're you're in, get in the car after the game, I think that's a great question. You know, who did you think out there played played well today? Not who was who was the best player. Did you see Johnny do that? You needed to do that. Just kind of get them to think about the other people on the ice and what was going on. And I, I think that's a really cool idea. Yeah, and I, th- I think the other thing too with that is like just having conversation about the game, not about your kid's specific play. Like I, I you know what I mean, and. I think it's really important to reward for like the little things. Like if my, 
son goes out and gets two assists or two goals. Like I'll talk to him about, man, that back check was awesome. Like you came back, you stole that puck off that kid. That was really, really good. You know, like kind of rewarding things that I feel like going back to what you're saying, Jeff, I agree. I think back when I played, like I'm not a big guy at all, but when I played, I tried to get in 10 fights a year, not because I was tough. Cause I was not tough at all, but it was just, I wanted to establish myself that I wouldn't take any shit, that I would play hard, that I would protect teammates or jump in for guys. Guys knew that if I was on their line or if I was playing with them, something happened, I was in, you know what I mean? And, and I, I, yeah, I'm okay, fine. Maybe I had a little small man syndrome going. I don't know, but, uh, but you know what? Yeah, you did. That's how I played. You definitely yeah, did. I, I, I'll <laughs> jump in here from experience. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but I think like, those are the things like, this is what I was getting at earlier, about like, let's just raise good people, right? Whether it's hockey or not, but I want my son or my daughter to be a good teammate. I want them to like, when the guy makes a sick pass to them in soccer to be like, Hey man, awesome pass, not run down the field, rip their shirt off and slide on their knees and basically pound their chest. It was all me like, no, that play play happened because of you, you know? And I think that those are the things that I want to really reward with, whether I'm coaching a team or working with players or my own kids is just like, be a well-rounded human being. And if you work hard enough and you work on skills and you're around the right people, then other opportunities are going to come up and come about it, you know, but it's really hard to teach kids how to be good people when they're 17, 18, you know, it's kind of passed them by at that point a little bit. Well, I think the other thing too, is they're so like harmonious being a good person absolutely develops good hockey players because what do we think about yeah. when good people, we think about good teammates. If you're a good teammate, like you're going to be a better hockey player because people are going to want to play with you. Like we want to talk about working hard. Well, if you work harder, like you're going to be a better hockey player because you're going to develop your skills more because you're working hard. So I just think that it's, it gets lost a little bit, you know, like if you think about as a coach, the percentage of hockey that you speak with your players versus the percentage of like, life that you speak about with your players it's probably very skewed towards the hockey I would imagine I'm even like reflecting Mm -hmm. myself and how much like I talk to my players just about hockey and it's like well maybe we should change that like maybe we should talk about some of the other softer skills that's what like some people I guess call them like that can 100% make you a better hockey player and it's gonna have so much more benefits years down the road when hockey is a a a speck (laughs) in your history yeah no, for sure. I think in some of the tightest teams I played on, I knew guys' sisters. I knew who their parents were. I knew, you know, where they were from. You know what I mean? Like, and there was other times I'm sure you guys went through this. Like, you go through training camp somewhere or start of the season somewhere, and you know, somebody scores a goal, and it's like uh, Jeff Roberts just scored. Like, his first name's Jeff. Crap, we call him Robbie for the whole. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like you've gone through three weeks with this guy at training camp. He scores a goal. They announce his name. You never even knew his first name. You just called him Bugsy or whatever his name, his name was. <laughs> like, so I think you're right. Like, getting to know people a little bit better and getting to know like where they're from, families, all that kind of stuff. I think, yeah, it's I think it's huge, man, for sure. Yeah. All right. So let's. Uh, I wanted to ask you a question because you got the chance to to work with the Washington Capitals for a long time as a skill development coach, got to be around there. Um, you know, it's funny, like we, people always ask us all the time, like, why don't you get more NHL people on the podcast? It's like, well, they're not really allowed to. <laughs> Very few, yeah, like yeah. They, they put a pretty tight leash on uh, on hockey development and, and on hockey stuff, hockey operations to, to do any type of media. Um, but you got the chance to work with the Washington Capitals for a long time in their skill development, player development system. Um, what were some of the biggest things you learned getting a chance to work with a team like that? Um, in, in that even stuff that you take with you today? Yeah. I think one thing I, I saw firsthand and I kind of heard it before I went there, uh, when, when I, before I started in the NHL was 
they don't work on skills very much during the year. Like they'll spend some time after practice a little bit. And you know, I think the HL is way more like they'll spend more time on skill development, but at the NHL level, they first of all, don't practice a lot. Like very rarely when they have two or three practice days in a row. So it's like practice day, game day, travel day, whatever is going on. So, um, and so they don't get a chance. Like, so a lot, like the line, a lot of the guys are like, I get worse during the season. Cause I'm just basically I'm a third liner. I'm just dumping it in or chasing. And I'm not like stick cannon or much in, in practice. Same thing. You're going through a lot of reps on, you know, uh, ozone, D zone, neutral zone, whatever. Right. So they are not really working a lot on skills. And the other thing I really realized was how much the guys liked it. And we wouldn't do like, you know, we'd break up into small groups of like three players. Once in a while I'd run drills for the whole team. I'd run like a couple of little skill drills for the whole team for like a warm up, which is, which is great. Super intimidating. Like my first time doing it, I was like at the whiteboard drawing and I'm like, what am I like turn around? And there's, you know, Oshi and Ovechkin. I'm like, what am I doing here? You know, kind of start sweating. My armpits start sweating. I just like, don't know if I can remember the drill. <laughs> it's like, what's going on? But they, they, yeah, like they really enjoy something different because, and I, Jeff, I don't, and told you too, but like, if you went from one junior team to another junior team, or you went from one pro team to another one, it's crazy how much crossover and drills there are. Like, I remember going from one pro team to another and we're doing the same, almost like 90% the same drills we I just did a week earlier on the other pro team. It was crazy. Yep. So I think like adding some like, different stuff in there and now it's gotten more creative get don't don't get me wrong than what it was when i was when i was playing but uh but just adding some different stuff in there was great and we worked in small groups so like three players of kind of like similar style of play and then i would kind of develop a bit of a skill plan for them that day so whether it's a heavier guys work on some wall play and some net front stuff like tips and things like that and just getting them reps in was awesome and the guys loved it and some guys would stay out like for an extra 20 30 minutes after because they wanted to work on other stuff and so it was really really cool and Honestly, like for anybody out there that's never been involved in the NHL, like they're just dudes, man. They're just guys like hockey for the most part, you know, like they're really like you get you're intimidated. Obviously, when you walk in the locker room or you see somebody in the lobby that, you know, plays in the NHL, you watch them on TV a bunch of times, but they're uh, they're really good people. And like, yeah, that's the biggest thing that was probably put me at ease really quickly is just how how good of guys they were. And, you know, you're in you're kind of going into their office. Right. So you kind of are a little bit wallpapery and don't want to really bug anybody. It's kind of you know, wheel around to your thing, but it was, uh, yeah, it was cool. It was really, really fun. I want to, I want to like highlight one of the things that you just said, because players at the highest level, and especially NHL players, one of the things that they absolutely need and want in their practices is puck touches. Like they talk about puck touches so much. I need my touches in practice. I need my, and I think that a lot of that is a feel thing. Like if they're feeling the puck and they're feeling good, it'll a hundred percent translate to the games. And you know, I've, I've talked to NHL players that absolutely hate practices because they don't do puck. There's not enough puck touches going through their practices. And I think that's a really valuable thing for all the youth coaches that are listening to this to really understand, like the more you do like system work and, and the more you do things where like, there's not a lot of puck touches and, you know, we can define that and however we want it, like skill work or whatever. Um, but like the kids need to touch the puck the, the players at the highest level who are the most talented, like they are so adamant that they need puck touches in practice, you know? So I think that's just one thing that is, is so important for the youth coaches to hear. Like you got to get your kids tuck, touching as many pucks as you can throughout a practice. Well, I even go back to like, you know, Thursday, the day before a game, if you're playing on Friday, usually you're going to go over your system work to make sure it's tightened up. Everybody's on the right page. 
but the teams that I enjoyed playing on the most, or I would have to immediately go to the coach as one of the captains and say, Hey, we got to do this is exactly that. Like to start the practice, even if it's like the four dots in the neutral zone and you're going to do some, you know, a little bit of skating, you know, flip the skates around, flip the hips, go back in, get a quick shot and stride, whatever, a couple passes, getting those touches to start the practice. A, it gets everyone immediately engaged. You get everyone talking because they have to call for the puck and everybody gets to shoot and get some touches. The goalies get warmed up. Even if you only do that for eight or 10 minutes, at least you're what you're saying. The guys are getting touches. Like you're so right. I, especially a guy who had brutal hands. If I wasn't getting touches during the week, I knew that was going to make my hands worse during the weekend on games. So I absolutely needed to touch the puck a bunch, but for the players listening, if you're on a team that does that and your coach for whatever reason does that, it's your responsibility to either get out there early and get your own touches with a couple of guys or stay out after and get your touches in because there's no excuses. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think the, the biggest thing you said there, Rex, is there's no excuses, man. Like if you want it bad enough, you'll find a way to touch the puck in the hallway or bring a stick handling ball with you or do whatever you got to do to make, you know, make that jump, I think is, is huge. And I mean, I'm sure you saw it during this pandemic with the gym, right? Probably had a lot of guys come back to the gym when you guys were able to reopen or, you know, when things got kind of slim for a bit and some guys did a lot at home and made the most of it. And some guys probably didn't do a lot. And you see a big difference in the guys that put in time at home and, you know, found a park to go work out at or go for run in or whatever, you know, opposed to the guys that didn't and the girls that didn't. Wow. Anyone who works out with me was all doing something because I had no <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, I forgot. And then I immediately in two days came out with online training that I had like thousands of people use. Um, but I made sure I made it for my guys. Cause I was like, you will not sit at home. You will not get worse. We will be training at home until you can come train with me. So my guys were training. There you go. Oh, hey, perfect. Nice work. Nice work, Vex. Thanks, Jobin. You want to, you want to, <laughs> you, uh, you want to plug it? Train Heroic? Uh, that was on Train Heroic. Those programs are still available. Oh, you're such a beauty. Well, let me ask you this, because, um, you know, we're obviously down here in the States and, and we go through kind of like the USA hockey coaching certification stuff. And, and I've always been interested in, in the Hockey Canada side of things in terms of the coaching education. And and you're a Hockey Canada, what are they called? Certified skills coach, right? I think that's what it, what it's called. Yeah. What's that process like? And like, do you think that Hockey Canada does a good enough job educating their coaches on uh you know how to develop kids yeah unfortunately with, with hockey canada it's like top secret so you can't talk about anything but uh no i'm kidding, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> i was gonna say uh, I, I wouldn't i would believe you 100 <laughs> percent. No. uh what happened with that to be honest with you so probably about seven eight years ago um a buddy of mine sent me an email said hey blaze you should apply to this it's a hockey canada skills certification and up to that point i'll be honest with you i was not a big hockey canada guy or anything just because I felt like I met a lot of people with certifications that I didn't trust. I didn't like, I didn't like how they did things on the ice. And this guy's got his level four masters, whatever. I mean, he's terrible. He's good on with books and good at knowing how to draw drills on paper, but he can't do. So I, I was kind of like leaning away from it a little bit, but as I got more into it, I kind of looked through it. And basically what it was is you go to Calgary's where hockey Canada is. So you go there for a week and you spend a week there and it's, you know, basically every day on the ice seminars, the whole nine for the whole week. And then you have a year full of, um full of uh big tasks to do basically like practice plans do development plan do all this stuff for the whole year and then you get evaluated and then you become certified so I, in my mind i was like the application process kind of sucks we had to send videos in and stuff like that so that's going to eliminate a lot of people that aren't going to want to do it cost a little bit of money to do it i think at the time it was like 
1500 bucks. So I knew that that would be a deterrent for a lot of people. They're not going to want to do it. So I applied for it and I ended up getting chosen to do it. So the first year they only took, I think 16 or 17 of us. It was unbelievable. Like out of the 16, 17, there was probably seven or eight, like legit, legit skill coaches, like a couple guys that were with NHL clubs, things like that. And then there was probably another seven or eight that were really good, like kind of did it full time. Then another couple that were like just coaches and stuff that kind of got into it just to try it out. So it was, un- and it was very like barriers down. Everyone shared everything, which I love because I find a lot of times with skill coaches, whether it's shooting coach, whatever, we all feel like we have the secret sauce and no one wants to share it, you know, and there's no secret sauce for teaching hockey. So it's, why not share? And it was awesome. So it kind of validates some stuff I did or they did. And I picked up new things and I stole something from him to this guy and stole something from this girl. And it was awesome. Like it worked out really, really well that way. And then the other thing too, is like, if you get a brochure at a rink right now, so any parent out there, you had a rink, you grab a brochure and you flip it open in Canada anyway. And you say, Oh, this guy's a certified power skating instructor. Like where did he or she get that certification? Cause I have no, <laughs> no such thing, <laughs> but you'll see it. Yeah. You'll see it. Like you'll see that. Like, certified you know skating coach like where did you get this so this was the first kind of from hockey canada like legit skills coach certification and it's one in their high performance stream so basically it's like one of their more elite streams which you know again kind of gives it a little more clout within the hockey canada form so i think the other thing they wanted to do too is we found or they found in canada that our top end kids are good like they're really really good obviously the world juniors they're legit our guys in NHL are good but our bottom end like our house league is not good at all and the problem with it is it's, this is no fault of them, but the, the people that are coaching don't know how to coach the kids properly. So they're just, you know, instead of teaching them wrist shot, they're teaching them how to flip in the top corner or whatever it is, right, as an example. So they wanted to get skilled coaches scattered across Canada to be able to help, you know, kind of communities and jump in with associations and things like that. So that was kind of their idea in the beginning, and it's been going well ever since. Like we, every year we do a couple of meets where we all get together seven or eight of us like across Canada and we meet somewhere and we spend like a couple days on the ice and go through a bunch of skills what's trending right now what are we working on how are we teaching this what are we doing so just to keep everything kind of somewhat on the same page so that when it gets delivered you know everyone's hopefully got a bit of an idea of what kind of what's going on so I think overall Canada hockey Canada's done a really good job over the last probably five years of just kind of trying to get back in the good graces of a lot of people and not trying to shove things down people's throat which I think is huge and I think with a lot of the skill coaches across the country, like we've been able, you know, we run, we, we, we run things in our community. So people know who we are, you know, and, and either respect you or hate you, whatever it is. But uh, so you've got a little bit of a niche or a little bit of a population that's kind of following you or that likes what you're doing. So I think it, it's helped that way for sure. It's so valuable to get in some of those, like just get like seven or eight people together and just talk some hockey. You know, I think I've learned yeah, more, huge. I've learned more in, in informal guys sitting around shooting the shit about hockey than I have in like any seminar than that I've ever done. Just because I feel like people are much more open and willing to share. I I think sometimes when people give presentations that I'm not saying they're bad presentations, but they're very like, again, like we were talking about earlier, like talking at you (laughs) rather than talking to, you you know, and, and just that informal sharing of knowledge and when you can probe and ask questions and, and challenge and, and ask for clarification and all that, like, God, there's so much value in that. Like all those informal things, that's, that's where I developed as a coach a hundred percent. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think like when we, when I did the first, so I was the first group to go through this whole thing and it was kind of a bit of an unknown. It was a new project Hockey Canada was doing. So they didn't even really, they had obviously structure to it, knew what they wanted to do, but they didn't really know how it was going to go. So we had an opportunity to kind of like 
kind of bob and weave through it a little bit. So there'd be times where we'd be on the ice like that. We'd have seven or eight of us just standing around talking about a skill and just, it was like Comic-Con for hockey skills. Like we were complete nerds. We may have, we may as well have been in like Superman suits. Cause we were all like <laughs> just talking about hockey. We were just like, it was a nerd fest of hockey skills, but we loved it. Like, it, you know, it's like us talking shop. We loved it. It was awesome. And, but yeah, we just be sitting there talking about a crossover. Like, how are you teaching this? What are you doing here? What about in this situation? And breaking it down. So it was really, really cool. And, um, and then, yeah, to be able to just meet with those people in that group, you know, once a year, twice a year has been, has been invaluable. Like it's been so cool just to, you know, be around and even there'll be emails going back and forth on clips of the games. Hey, check this out. Look at this, you know, puck protection. Look, check out this goal. Look what he did here. And it's not like the highlight reel ones. It's other kind of hidden stuff that we're like, you know, talking like, Oh, that's sick. That was really good. Like simple things. You wouldn't even really notice that were executed well. And, and, you know, that we're, we're talking about. So it was really, really cool to, to be part of that obviously and then continue to to share and kind of hang out with those guys and girls yeah usa hockey i think has done a really good job with that they've changed a lot over the past probably two three years they invested a lot in like not necessarily like teaching hockey but just like teaching in general and they had a bunch of these yeah. education people come in and, and really teach like the adm guys and and the coaching education guys like how to teach and so, you know, typically before that, you would go to a seminar and there'd be seven people giving presentations and then that you'd get your slip and then that was it. And now if you go to a coaching, again, it was different with COVID this year because it, nothing was in person, but even prior to COVID and I do a lot of these things, I'll travel around and do some of these. And uh, it was much more like um, coach driven instead of presentate pre- presenter presentator Pre- presenter driven. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hello um and and i thought that there was so much value to that so like you know you'd split up into these small groups maybe like seven eight people and you'd have a whiteboard or like a, a like one of those big posted pieces of paper with a marker yeah. and you'd be given a topic like let's say it's skating or let's say it's passing whatever it may be and then those seven or eight people would go around and they just talk about what they do and some drills that they do and all that and like i learned from level one coaches <laughs> um Ooh, some of the yeah. stuff that they do with with their players and i just think that that like more collaborative approach to it that they've changed to i think it's gonna do a lot of good for a lot of the hockey coaches in our area it, it was it was awesome no, yeah, that's great, man. That's, I, I agree. I think USA Hockey has definitely, like, even over the last 10 years, it's done an unbelievable job of development and over, like, across the states. And you see, like, a lot of even, uh, not weird, but different markets, like, southern states that are popping up with these new developments, you know, centers and these players that are, you know, obviously got, like, Austin Matthews coming out of Arizona, but you've got, like, these areas now that are developing and working with, you know, these athletes. So I think overall like the states has a bigger population clearly and they've got a ton of resources and a ton of people that are invested in it which is awesome so you're going to see i think over the next bunch of years the u.s is going to continue to pump out some some really really good players for sure well i think the other thing that i think the u.s needs to be mindful of though is like the culture of hockey becoming so professionalized so quickly that it's going to like, people are going to fall out of the sport. I, I think we've done a really good job up until kind of like this point over the last couple of years, you know, with so many more NHL teams coming in and um, just kind of growing the grassroots part of the game and getting more people involved in the sport. I my my big fear is that it, it becomes so professionalized that people don't want to be a part of it anymore. 
vaccine. I don't know if that's making any sense, but like, I, that's, that's a big fear. Cause I think we're on an upward trajectory right now. I mean, we won world junior gold this year. We've done really well in international competition Our you know, the numbers continue to grow. And, and I just hope we don't hit that plateau or that peak um, because it becomes so professionalized. And I know that's something that Canada really struggles with too. Um, and, and it's, you know, I, I would have to imagine it's part of the reason why the Canadians haven't dominated as much as, as they used to, even though they're still dominating, but you know, other countries have certainly caught up. I mean, I, yeah, I've been seeing it for years now, you know, I think that, but I always, I see it at the higher levels too. And the higher levels cost so much more money. So people get crazy and then people get taken advantage of or they're trying that that's where they're trying to you know get your kid scouted he has to go to 16 tournaments a summer and all these people who you know some of them played in the nhl and they're running summer tournaments all summer long and it's like come on man like you know that that's not what these kids are supposed to be doing but then it's you know keeping up the joneses like blazer said and they're so then they think they all got to do it and then um you know it's just you just got to put the kids first and remember that it's a game and it's, we're using it to teach them life lessons every single day. And they, yes, we're there to help them get better, but we're also there for a lot more reasons than just hockey. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you guys more. I think, yeah, you're right too. Told for about uh, the entry point into hockey is kind of hard, right? Cause you got, you know, soccer, you got, you know, cleats, a soccer ball and outside you're good, right? You can go play. Whereas hockey, you're going to need gear, you need ice, you need skates. It's, it's a bit more, it's, a, it's a obviously the, 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 the threshold to get in is a lot higher as far as money. So it's tough. And then you're right, Max, as you get to the higher levels, I mean, you're thousands and thousands of dollars in before you've even played a game, right? So it's a, it's a tough one. But I think, you know, going back to that, I think it's, it's family decisions too. Like oftentimes a lot of families talk to me about, hey, should we play in this spring tournament? Or, hey, should I be part of this development program playing in these four spring tournaments? And I'm like, well, it's $3,000. So for three grand, you can probably get almost a whole summer development. Like you can get a probably good strength coach to help you out. You can get some on a skill. Like what are you going to get better at those three tournaments? Are you going to get much better or would you get better working out all summer on ice training, all that stuff, you know? So like families have to sit down to and look at the price of things and say, well, man, if I'm going to spend three grand on tournaments, that's going to leave me no money for development or, or whatever you, you plan on do or a family trip with screw development, a family trip, right? Like, so Look at what makes sense. And I think get the kids involved, man. I tell parents all the time, like get a spreadsheet or put a piece of paper down. Your skates cost a thousand dollars, right? If you're oversized six, basically, right? So whatever, 500 bucks, thousand bucks, your stick costs $300. So that's, you know, this is how much this costs. And we're going to go play spring tournament. It's going to cost us this much. Like, let them see the value of it. Because I mean, you know, my young kids right now, like a billion dollars to them is a joke because they see it on Roblox and a billion bucks gets them a, a Lamborghini. It's like, that's great. It's like a billion bucks. It's a billion dollars. You know how long I'm going to have to work to get a billion dollars? Like <laughs> seven lifetimes, man. Like, what do you, like, come on, you know? So it, I think that they, the, our kids need to understand the value of that money as well. And then I think it's a family decision on where do we spend that money and, and uh, you know, how do we do it? And some families have tons of resources and they have, they have a billions or billions of dollars. So it's maybe a bit of a different conversation there. But even then, I mean, I think, you know, no matter how much money you have, I think it's still important for your kids to appreciate and understand what you're spending it on and what you're paying for. Because it can go fast, and man, it adds up. Like you said, we're going to five, six tournaments, travel, hotels, everything. It's not cheap. 
and even even having your kids contribute financially too even if they're young you know like hey um you do the dishes that's two bucks towards buying you new gloves for next year or just something like that so they do understand that value because yeah i mean the costs the costs are ginormous whether you i mean it's not even like you're saying like even at the point of entry for people that aren't playing elite triple a hockey it's still uh, a pretty penny to, to play this sport so you know having having the kids really understand that there's a lot of financial sacrifice i think they can see that the, the time sacrifice um just yeah. and stuff but they're the financial sacrifice so get them involved for sure make them make them earn it <laughs> Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Throw yeah. their grass cutting money in there. You know, right, you're grass cutting. I want 10% of that to go to your hockey. Not because you want the money, but because you want them to be invested in it. I think that that's massively, massively important. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, Blazer, so you also have the National Skill Development Association, um, something that you have, have been doing for quite some time now. Um, and you do such a good job. So you got a YouTube page, you got a website, you got a bunch of different stuff that you have going on. Um, before we let you go, I definitely want you to kind of explain what you're doing up there and uh, where people can find you. Yeah, thanks. It just, yeah, basically put up a bunch of just skill videos. So how to teach skill and going back to what I said before, like there's no real secret sauce. I think everyone's got their own style on how to teach and stuff. But, um, but yeah, we basically, I was doing the videos like years ago and kind of, I was going to use them for staff and whatever. And then I decided a couple of years ago to just put them all up online and, and we continue to make more of them and develop more of them. And if people have any questions or stuff that they want to see us do, then uh, feel free to reach out and we can do those. But yeah, it's just national skill development association on YouTube or our website is uh, the NSDA.com. And there's a ton of, yeah, a ton of good stuff on there. So Love that. And you guys have a podcast as well behind the gear. So how is it uh, being on the other side of a podcast and, and uh, not I having to prepare it, or answer the questions yeah. and stuff? It's nice, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Like, uh, and yeah, and congrats to you guys too, man. You guys have done a he- you know, heck of a job with your podcast, which is awesome. Um, and yeah, for me, I probably similar to you guys. It was just a passion project. I love podcasts, listen to them. And we had a lot of guys training here and stuff. And I was like, why don't I just start like, interviewing them no idea what i was doing at the beginning it was a joke like i was so terrible but and not that i'm good now but i've gotten a little bit better over the years but i honestly enjoy it man and selfishly i say this all the time like i learn more from the pot like i selfishly bring guests on because i can learn stuff you know what i mean like so it's i I love it man and i like talking and you know talking hockey and finding out more about people and stuff so i enjoy it being on this side is fun a little bit yeah a little more relaxing you don't have to prepare just kind of talk and, and, and chat about it but it's been fun, man. Yeah, it's been really, really good. I've been, yeah, probably two years now with uh, with doing it pretty, like, consistently. Um, and that's the key, I think, just like you guys, right? Trying to be consistent with it, trying to get it out every week or mm-hmm. twice a week, wherever you, you know. I think you mm-hmm. guys are once a week as well. And and that's, I mean, once a week even doesn't seem like much, but that can be a grind in itself. Just making sure you're getting that Wednesday deadline or that Monday deadline or whatever you're doing. Like, oh, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, you know what though? It's, it's funny. Like before we started this, I was actually on in a different capacity, a different podcast. And they were asking me like, what's your favorite part of it? And, uh, it, it's weird because I feel like the best part of it is I feel like I'm back in a freaking hockey locker room just yeah. talking with you guys and just talking hockey or talking whatever. And, and it is like, that's what we miss the most. And I continually say this, like, this is the best part of my week, getting the chance to do this with you guys. And uh, it just takes you right back. And, and uh, there's nothing better than talking hockey and, and especially with guys that you respect and, or girls that you respect. And, and it's uh, it's awesome. 
You know what's cool, though, talking about this now, too, with you guys, is uh, Brent Walton, who was my former college teammate who we had on maybe a month ago now. Um, he had so much fun on our podcast that night. He went for a run out somewhere, and he's not a runner. You saw him. Uh, you know, we talked about <laughs> we talked about how he's a little chubby guy in college hockey, and you know, didn't didn't even know where the weight room was till I met him pretty much when he was a senior and I was a freshman, and went for a run. He said he went out there. He was so happy when he thought about that he was just going to start doing his own podcast that he just started dancing out by himself in the dark in Canada during COVID. He's not allowed to be around anybody. And he started his own podcast now. I believe it's called uh, Two Ales and Hockey Tales. Much different than ours. It's more for uh, hilarious type of hockey stories and going over people's careers and a little more adult entertainment. But, you know, he's like, dude, you changed my life. This is the most fun I've had in five years. And he's like, and I'm loving doing this. And he's just ripping them out he's doing them like every day but uh yeah so i thought that was pretty cool that we kind of inspired him to do one and like you said you know we're all doing them and it's super fun and like both of you said you know i learn a ton from these selfishly and it's pretty cool that we get to teach people things while we are also learning yeah totally i remember i don't know what you guys are like when you first started but i was excited too like especially the first one you get down you're like okay man this is then you actually get to finish like this is pretty sick and then I remember I was, I was on a, I was going a lot because all the guys were here in the summer, my first year. So I was like every like twice a week, three times a week, I was having guys in and we, and we do it. Right. Well, then I started releasing twice a week, two pods a week. Right? And I'm like, Oh, this is great. Well, then you run out, you run out of content pretty quick. Right? So then you're like <laughs> scrambled, scrambling, like, okay, I gotta get a guy here. Cause now, now all the guys are gone to play. So I think the best advice I have for anyone starting a podcast is just keep it consistent, man. Just slow, like steady once a week, whatever you can handle. But, I think, you know, I found kind of a bit of a groove now where I, I can have, you know, one a week is good. Like, and I can be consistent with it because for when I was over like doing two a week, then, you know, for a couple of weeks, I didn't have any. So I, I went dark for a week. I'm like, what am I doing, man? I'm just starting <laughs> to get this thing going. And then, but yeah, you live and learn and you figure it out as you go. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun though. I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. It's been awesome. Yeah. That's one thing like people will reach out to us and, and just ask that are trying to start them and they ask for advice and stuff. And the two things I say is be consistent and be yourself. Like nobody wants yeah. to listen to somebody that's trying to, you know, sell something or trying to be somebody that they're not. And, uh, you know, I, I just think those, those are the things that uh, even in the podcast that I listen to, like, I like to be entertained a little bit. Um, I like to know that they're coming out every week. You know, I look forward to it every Monday or Thursday or whenever they come out. Um, but also just that, like, you know, just that author, like, I, I, I feel like it's a window into these people's lives and, and you get to kind of enjoy their life with them and learn a little bit. And, um, Jeff, I mean, I don't know about you blazer, but like, we try to be as, as open as possible talking about some of the good and some of the not so good and all that. And it's almost a little bit refreshing sometimes when you can tell the world that some of the crap that you've been through, because it's almost like, you know, a little <laughs> yeah. bit of therapy, you know? Yeah. Well, it's funny because like that, and that's one of the reasons why I, I like I like listening to you guys, and I'm sure you guys are the same. Where you've checked out a ton of podcasts, like I've looked at, I've listened to a lot of different podcasts. Some I'll listen to for one episode, some I'll listen to religiously every week, you know. But it's for that exact reason. Like some of them do come across fake. It's I find it like super hard to fake it for like a hundred episodes. Like there's no way I'd be able to do it. No, there's no way. So you know what I mean, or however many episodes you have. Like I, you got, I, I agree, you got to be real. But the ones that I enjoy listening to, is exactly your point, like. They're pretty entertaining. They're fun. You get to know the people. Like if I, if I saw you guys on the street, I'd probably be able to have a pretty good conversation because I've kind of listened to a lot of hours of you guys talking. You know what I mean? So you can kind of like hit on things, right? But 
yeah, that's, that, that's the key to me is just having fun, enjoying it. And some podcasts you can tell they genuinely enjoy it, you know, and that's, that's the best part of it for sure. Yeah, definitely. And the thing I love about it too, is like, you know, you've had a lot of different diverse people on your podcast, which is what makes it so good. And I feel like that's a huge part of ours too, is just, you, you look at, and I was looking at it the other day, like our top 10 most downloaded episodes and the diversity of like who these people are is insane. You know, you have like Martin St. Louis, and then you have a guy like Tyler Parks who played high school hockey until he was 17 years old and not even playing triple a but he's playing in the ahl right now um to you know college coaches to whatever and i just feel like it doesn't matter who you are like if you have a compelling story to tell and you care about sharing a message that's going to help other people then people can relate to that because i think we all genuinely um are attracted to story and we all genuinely are attracted to people who are just trying to, you know, add a little bit more, give more, be more, you know, in, in the world. And so you do a great job with that stuff too. I really enjoyed being on your podcast blazer and, and you're doing an awesome job. Keep it up. And Vex, I mean, that's, I, I feel like, I don't know what you think, but just the, the people that we're able to bring on telling so many different stories that can kind of weave into some similar messages of, adversity and resiliency and surround yourself with good people. I feel like they all have kind of like those similar themes that can help anybody that listens to this podcast. Oh man. And you know, that's, that's what's so cool about, you know, I'm going to blow our own show here. I'm going to pump our own show's tires, like (laughs) NHL guys that listen and I, and they learn something from it. And I have 13 year old, 14 year old AAA players. I know that listen to it or a dad of a kid and says, Hey, I learned this, or, you know, now we're doing this because you guys talked about, or we looked up this and it's like the, the, the age range that we've been able to, to affect positively is, is pretty cool. And I think that, uh, you know, we're lucky to have guys like Blazer on here to talk about hockey Canada's secrets. Hey, be, before <laughs> that's we, all I say. <laughs> hey, before we let you go, Blazer, I, do you get the joke from uh, dodgeball all the time because of your name? No, which one? Tell really? Me. You don't? Oh my god! No, no, no. no the, which one? <laughs> he, he's where he's talking about. It's White Goodman, Ben Stiller's character, and he's talking about like all the people that are on his uh, on his dodgeball team, and he's like, "We have Blade and Laser and Blazer," <laughs> and then it's like my consigliere Michelle. <laughs> Unreal. No, honestly, I've never heard that, but I like it. I like it. Blade, laser, yeah. and blazer. <laughs> Love it. So, uh, well, good stuff, man. It was awesome having you on. For all of our listeners, Behind the Gear podcast uh, is one that Blazer does, and, and it's great. Also, look up National Skill Development Association as well. Uh, he does a great job putting on a lot of great hockey content out there. Um, so, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking at some point soon. I appreciate it, boys. Thanks a lot. Keep up the work. Awesome.